Tony Robbins, Kyle, the motivational speaker. You've been following his cadence, trying to pick up a thing or two? Well, by the looks of you, it doesn't seem to be working at all. You don't seem any more intense or motivated to me. DarbyCast, Wild Card Friday. Kyle and I were just talking about mindset, talking about positivity, talking about what it means to have the heart of a champion. And Kyle, I have all those things. Uh, They are constitutional pillars woven into the very fabric of my being. And I'm sorry that those things are not inherently accessible to you without watching a guy jump on a trampoline. That's Tony Robbins for you. No problems with jumping on a trampoline and no problems with Tony Robbins, honestly, Kyle. But I'm kind of of the Peter Pan motivational mindset. And what's that? Accessing happy memories, happy thoughts, and harnessing those happy thoughts and moving forward. Is this a mainstream line of thinking? No, it's not. No, everybody's talking about, oh, do push-ups, eat kale, do a cartwheel, drink an ale. None of those things are the ticket, right? When I'm feeling unmotivated or feeling a little sideways, I like to think about stories from my youth, the good times. And then I think about the times that the youth are having right now, and I think to myself, Son of a bitch, if kids aren't able to do the kind of stuff that I was doing as a kid, then we have got issues upon issues. Kids are doing their Fortnite dances. They're cartwheeling digitally and not actually. So that's why the cartwheel thing wouldn't work at all. But let me tell you a story about summer camp that I went to. And now parents, like, aren't especially cool with their kids doing anything. And I get it. There's a lot of perverts around. Look no further than Florida, where Ron DeSantis, hero, is trying to clap back at educator perverts. Get out, right? Get your mitts off of the youth. Everybody's sick of it. Quit trying to justify it and say that it's important. Okay. Five-year-olds don't need to know about your nipple clamp collection. Nobody needs to know about that. But when I was a kid, I went to a specific summer camp that was for youth of rare promise. It was a marine biology institute, and it was on an island. My folks told me it was Jurassic Park, and I was pretty disappointed upon arriving. However, I stuck it out because they had microscopes, which I found pretty cool. Obstacle course. They had mazes. They had dormitories. So it was a co-ed camp for, like I said, youth who were pretty high on the aptitude scale in some categories. Obviously, you know, I'm pretty low in a lot of important categories. We won't get into that today, but let me tell you about my experience at camp And what's the goal with this episode? To make everyone, whether they had a sweet childhood or not, think to themselves, I would like an agreeable future for the youth of America. Okay, so I arrive at this camp and I get set up 
with my counselor, Ian. Ian's a little overweight, but he's into sharks, and I didn't mind that at all. I said, Ian, you and I are going to get along just fine. A couple other uh, kids in the troop. We had a kid named Kyle. Yeah, I know Kyle. Same name as you. A uh, kid named Junior. We had a Curtis. One kid just went by Whitey, and we gave him that nickname. Boy, was he just pasty as Casper. Decent at stuff, but like so vampire adjacent in the hue of his skin. But yeah, Kyle, Junior, Curtis, Whitey, me, and Tyler. Nice little camp group. We did it all. We went out on a boat where we were told stories of local Native American tribes that couldn't seem to put things together and continue existing. We collected samples of seawater. And then we analyzed them and said, Whoa, what is that? A creature? Are kids having these kinds of monumental experiences nowadays? You bet your ass they're not. Kids are staying home, wearing masks, being little pussies. All the while, their parents are showing them photo collages of men in Speedos. Oh, yeah, this is what's going on with the youth, okay? It's not okay. But let's get back to camp for a second. The first night, we had a bonfire. We got to hang out with some of the female campers and counselors. There was... A camp counselor that I swear just totally had the hots for me. Kept asking me questions about sperm whales. I didn't get it at the time, but it was a marine camp. She was lusty. I was a tall kid. It makes a lot of sense now. But my eyes were on a female camper. Her name was Lynn. She was gargantuan. Very tall girl. I'd never seen anything quite like her. Each night at camp, a bunch of science dweebs. They had like a dance. And uh, Lynn and I, we tried our best. We put our sweaty palms together, made fairly autistic eye contact. What's that? Non-existent. And we held each other pretty close while listening to songs by NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. That was the life, okay? That was everything. And there are people in this world who are trying to take that away from kids. Not okay, right? The people who are trying to ruin that should be ruined themselves in a pretty physical way. This was a whimsical time in my life when nobody really thought about perverts. Nobody thought about the economy. Nobody thought about wearing idiot pieces of cloth on your face to stay safe. Oh, yeah, this was a time of freedom. Let's talk about Whitey for a second. Whitey told a lot of stories about chicks. And he didn't know a damn thing, but neither did we. So we kind of hung on his every word. Whitey was regaling us with stories of Angry hand jobs, and that was about it. That was Whitey's speed. Whitey, allegedly, was on the receiving end of a 
Angry Handy J, or three. And boy, did that just impress all of us. Kyle, Jr., Curtis, Tyler, myself. Of all those guys, the last one you would have uh, assumed that would know a thing or two about anything was Whitey. But he like kind of stepped up. It was pretty cool. However, I don't want to talk about this anymore because I want to talk about Ian, the camp counselor, and his legendary ghost story. I know a lot of your ears just perked up. And your arm hairs may have stood on end and you might be salivating a little bit. Jaw may have dropped. You may have bit your lower lip and winked at yourself in your rearview mirror if you're in the car. I get it. I get it. Everybody loves a good ghost story. This was unlike any ghost story I'd ever heard in my entire life. It was not age appropriate. Frankly, I don't think it was appropriate for anyone, regardless of age. But let me just go ahead and tell it to you because I'll never be able to forget it ever, even if I wanted to. So the camp that we were at, Ian insisted, used to be a college. And I wasn't really buying it, but I didn't call him on it either. I wasn't quite as disagreeable then as I am now. Ian was like, yeah, so this campus used to be a college. And there was some pretty major sporting events that happened here. And everybody was like, oh, dude. And everybody had the right to say that, because who doesn't love a good sports match when it's not politicized, right? Those were the glory days. Whitey was pretty upset because he had had kind of the stage and the mic for quite some time. He was a one-tune kind of fiddler, but Ian had the stage now, and he was doing good things with it. said, the quarterback of the football team at the school here was a pretty cool guy. We all looked at each other in disbelief and said, can you believe that? I'd like to be somebody like uh, this guy one day. Ian, what's his name? His name's Tom. Tom's a quarterback. This is well before Tom Brady, but imagine it's Tom Brady if you want. This island college. This story really revolves around Tom, who was struggling in his classes. All he could ever think about were big games. Oh, Tom, sucker for big games. Tell you what. Tom's professors were not thrilled by his arrogance when it came to higher education. Tom knew he was headed for the XFL or equivalent. Maybe even better. So when it came to term papers, he blew them off. And the professors were like, you're on thin ice, Tom. You son of a bitch. Tom was not about that. He wasn't. Tom was known to strike a teacher from time to time. And that was okay back then. Maybe like the 1970s. If your professor said something that wasn't okay, you're allowed to hit him. How much do we all miss something like that? Tom's untouchable, though. The headmaster, otherwise known as the dean of this college, had a real liking for Tom. 
And no matter how many times Tom's professors tried to fail him, the dean would hack into the mainframe and change the grades and say, I got you, Tom. Tom's sister, Sheila, also went to the college. She was not okay. Very, and I mean very, slutty. Little did Tom realize his sister was filleting the dean and that the dean, his apparent love for Tom and everything that Tom was doing, had no other explanation other than that Tom's sister was uh, doing the dean dirty, as well as like half of Tom's football team. Let's pause for a second. If you're new to this show, but you're having a pretty decent time, then I'll tip my hat to you for joining. Unless you're not enjoying this, in which case, you suck, right? Imagine being the kind of bozo that's hearing this and saying to themselves, like, this is lame. No, it's not, right? But anywho, let's continue. So Ian is telling us this story. It's past everyone's bedtime. We're on a tight schedule at this camp as young scientists studying wildlife and plants. Kelp. Have you heard of it? So Ian continues telling us this story about Tom's sister getting flipped ten ways till Tuesday by the dean. All the while, Tom doing a whole lot of damage on the gridiron. He could make every pass. He was nasty with play action. Knew how to step up in the pocket and launch it. No stranger to a shotgun formation. Tom was winning games left and right. And he was beloved by all. But then one day, Tom went into the dean's office and he caught his sister, Sheila, performing some extracurriculars on the dean. And he lost it. Tom went up to the dean, beat the hell out of him, and said, fuck you, Roger. It's over. And then the dean yelled back at him and said, Tom, it's over when I say it's over. Really? Intense. But what does this all mean? It means that Tom would have to study. Because you don't just kick the guy's ass who's giving you good grades and overriding all of your teachers who hate you for your carefree attitude and your ravishing good looks. This is what Ian, our camp counselor, is telling us. It's a real different kind of storytelling. And I'm glad I get to share it with you today. Finals are coming up. And although Tom historically, has been most concerned with big games. He's got to stay in school. And so, he asks some dweeby kid named Nathaniel, says, hey, how do I study? Nathaniel scoffs at Tom, says, you're a jock, man. Tom's like, yes, I know. Um, Like, what are we doing here? And then Nathaniel says, take these. Hands Tom an unmarked bottle of pills. Very different. Not okay. But Tom is out of options. It's finals week. He hasn't studied once. He has been working on his footwork. He has been pumping a couple of the cheerleaders. No time to really bone up on calculus, advanced English, and literature. 
Tom, not knowing much about pills or studying, takes the entire bottle. And these are caffeine pills. This was a time before Adderall and other ADHD medications were tweaking out the minds of the youth. Just your industry standard caffeine pill. But Tom took a lot of these. Okay. And he's studying, or he's trying to, and he's pretty spracked. Caffeine is a diuretic, and it makes Tom have to take a pee. Tom, like a crackhead, bounces all over the place on his way to the bathroom, and he starts taking a leak. Into the bathroom walks the dean's deformed and disabled janitor son, Francis, who walked with a limp and had a ill-fitting pair of goofy shoes that kind of made a pitter-patter, but like really heavy. So like, and all the students called this clubfoot, mentally disabled janitor, son of the dean, they referred to him as clump. Ouch, right? So normally Tom, when he sees Clump, he's actually pretty cool with him. He's like, hey, Clump. I mean, Francis, good to see you. And Clump says whatever he says. But this time, it's late. Tom is on a lot of stimulants. And Clump was wearing a shirt that just wasn't right. What does that equal? A major panic attack out of Tom, star quarterback. Star quarterback. And he starts yelling. Tom, in the middle of the night, he's like, ah! Ah! And Clump isn't having it. He's a little startled. He goes over to Tom, and he wants to tell him, like, hey, dude, you're freaking out, man. You're all over the place. It's not okay, uh, the volume of your voice. But Clump is not uh, the most articulate fella. So he just kind of goes, kind of some odd yelling, which startles Tom even further, right? My goodness. Clump doesn't know what to do. He puts a hand over Tom's mouth to try to quiet him down. Tom, high as a kite, Bites Clump's hand. Clump got fucking pissed. And so he just took his mop. Remember, he's the janitor. He took his mop and he just started beating Tom. Whacking him. And then he broke the mop. Tom was not defending himself well. He was pretty uh, compromised mentally. Then Clump discarded the mop and proceeded to do things the old-fashioned way and beat Tom to death with his bare hands. Not super proud about the interaction as a whole, Clump proceeds to drag Tom's lifeless body into the surrounding woods of the campus. And then uh, Clump vowed to never return again. So Tom's dead. Sheila is still sucking off the dean. 
finals are pretty much a moot point. No more big games for Tom. And Klump just stays in the wilderness. This is what Ian, camp counselor, communicated to us guys who were eh, about 11, 12 years old, max. And then he finished that story by saying, and to this day, occasionally, you can still hear walking around the halls. Just a little. And needless to say, even the likes of that pervert Whitey was pretty rattled by this story. We were all pretty terrified. I'd never heard a ghost story like that ever. And Ian really didn't tie up a whole lot of uh, the Sheila portion of the story. Pretty underdeveloped plot line. But in hindsight, I really respect that storytelling uh, mechanism and stylistic choice of delivery. Yeah, Tom had a sister and she was using her mouth in ways that were not scholastic. Impressive, right? So we were all pretty scared. Our troop. And I don't know what Ian's deal was. Like, why was he such a good guy? He didn't have to share an amazing story like that with us. He didn't. That was an extracurricular. He did not get paid extra for his expert delivery and his uncensored raw takes. The people in power don't want the youth of America to have high-impact moments like this. They don't. They want kids to be scared, playing Fortnite, yeeting their jewel, and struggling to make Top Ramen. It's the unofficial playbook of the leadership class of America. Some of you are asking right now, was that all that happened at camp? I bet your ass it wasn't. We did art projects the next morning. And Whitey tried to tell more stories about inappropriate conquest of chicks. And at this point, we're like, you know what, Whitey? We're fine with uh, Ian being the resident storyteller because I'm pretty sure everything you're telling us is fucking bullshit. And that hurt Whitey's feelings, but he deserved it. When you brag a little too much, it's like, dude, I'm starting to think that this is made up, okay? So the following day, we had a ton of activities, analyzed some seawater, did a little bit of snorkeling, and then we went out on a catamaran, a sailboat, and Ian took it upon himself to tell stories again. He said, guys, you know how the camp used to be a college? Would you like to know what it was before then? And at this point, we were pretty fired up on Ian's storytelling. So we all emphatically were like, yes, Ian, tell us more. He said, well, the school was actually built atop an Indian burial ground. And none of us really understood why that was significant at all. And he said, well, there was a brave warrior. His name was Torqua, spelled T-O-R-Q-U-A, Torqua. And he and his tribesmen were fierce warriors. 
And everyone said, pray tell, Ian, continue. He said, well, there were warring tribes all over this island, and Torquois' tribe was the mightiest. However, a lot of the braves, the warriors in Torquois' tribe, were getting their asses kicked, some of them even being killed by some of the other warring factions. And so Torquois took it upon himself to engage in quite a bit of spirit nonsense. And he did so by hurling his body off of a cliff while yelling some mysterious incantations and burning some sage. This had us all pretty captivated. We said, Ian, what happened next? He said, well, Torquois's spirit rose from those jagged rocks that happened to be right over there. And he pointed from the sailboat over to this cliff and these really sharp rocks. And we were like, oh my gosh, it's a true story. Son of a bitch. Ian continued. He said, Torquois' spirit rose and he assumed the form of a mighty warbird, a hawk that had eagle-like features. And he rained fire and destruction down on the warring tribes and also picked some of the other Indians and the warriors up with his spirit talons, flew up super high and then let them go at height and then their bodies exploded on impact. The entire area was littered with exploded Indian body parts. And Torquois, being actually a pretty good dude, proceeded to pick up a bunch of boulders and shrubs and other items, and he covered up all of the carnage, thus rendering a significant area a Indian graveyard. And then Torquois flew off. And we're like, dude, what? Like, does that have any uh, consequences for us as campers? And Ian says, well, do any of you have any uh, Native American heritage? Whitey shot up his hand and fully cemented his reputation as a pathological liar. But nobody else raised their hand. Ian said, good, good. Are you sure? And we all kind of looked at each other. We're like, no, this was well before 23 and me and all that nonsense. He said, well, if any of you have Native American blood in you, um, there have been campers historically in the past that have been picked up by giant birds and then flung to their death, actually right over there on those craggy rocks where uh, Torquois pulled the sack fly. And to this day, I would imagine that all of us, myself included, are pretty freaked out by uh, raptors, right? Birds of prey. And whenever I see a hawk in the sky, I inevitably ask myself, I say, is that a small bird that's kind of close or is that a humongous bird that's pretty far away? And we all love that, right? As a camp counselor, you tell a ghost story to have the kids freaked out at night and then a Native American legend during the day to give the kids the impression like you're not safe anywhere 
really. Spot on, right? Now, in this crazy world of ours, there are legitimate threats that kids can't go to camp and they can't just enjoy themselves. Those were the days, right? Sometimes we've got to find our happy thoughts. A lot of you are probably asking yourself, like, this didn't seem like a happy story. Like, what? Was there a pretty positive conclusion to this? And I'm going to tell you, yeah, yeah. We threw Whitey a blanket party. All of us got tired of his shit. And we just, we beat him up. We made him sleep outside, knowing full well that at any point, a disabled and disgruntled janitor could pop out of the woods and abduct him. It's a shame, right, that kids today don't understand what good, clean fun used to be. But I hope that hearing this story today has done some pretty positive things for you, where you've said to yourself, this was the inspirational story I needed to hear, like yesterday. I want to help recreate the world that made experiences like this possible for students of rare promise. Did I ever tell my folks about what went down at this camp? You better believe I didn't. Was there any funny business? Anything inappropriate? No. All of this was A-OK by me. I wonder what Ian's up to these days. Maybe he, too, is a storyteller. I, as a storyteller, have never really given Ian the credit that he deserves. I want to tip my hat to anyone named Ian. If you're listening to this show right now and your name's Ian, good job. Let's conclude the story of my camp experience. The following day, we had one final dance, actually the following evening, and that hot female camp counselor tried to put the moves on me. I said, no way. I got to do things right and be true to my girl Lynn here. I wonder how Lynn's doing. Did she grow up to be a smoke show? Most likely. Because that's what happened to me. I was a science dweeb and then I discovered push-ups and sports and weights and raw eggs and discipline. I hope Lynn found those things too. Maybe a couple other things, but you get what I'm saying. I want to encourage listeners of the Darby cast who are parents to send their kids to a high-impact camp like this. Send them to an overnight camp and just make sure it's run by uh, non-perverts. I think my folks probably did a little vetting. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But the only real pervert at the camp was Whitey. And he was dealt with accordingly. Just a little camp justice. Where's that, right? When somebody is fucking up in a huge way, it's up to you and your peers to regulate. How's that for an inspirational slash motivational message? Is that accountability is coming your way, whether you want it to or not. If your peers are high-integrity, science-minded gifted students who have heard some pretty crazy stories in the past couple days, they're going to be inspired to do the right thing, to correct some negative behavior. Society's a little bit off 
our moral dock. And so sometimes you got to correct people. You throw them a blanket party. Kyle, Tony Robbins would never tell a story like this. And that speaks to his professionalism, but it also speaks to his limitations. Okay? Never forget that. But that's going to do it for DarbyCast. That's Wild Card Friday. That's a set of really important stories within a story. And that is the kind of stuff that I cling to when I need a little boost. So I hope it does for you what it does for me, because right now I feel incredible. Enjoy yourself for the rest of the day and for like an entire week.